tonight's reading is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 1 to 5. As for the other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. If you've got your Bibles, if you'd like to keep them open at the little passage. It's a great little passage, isn't it, from the Apostle Paul there? And almost like he... He's been telling the Thessalonians what, what, what things they ought to be doing. And then it's like he looks up at them and looks at them and says, by the way, guys, can you pray for me? And it's, it's lovely. And it's just this little passage is almost like an aside. And then he comes back into it. And these are the things I want you to do. And I think Thessalonians very much, you see the heart of the Apostle Paul. He was a very real guy. He worked really hard for the Lord. He struggled as all Christian workers do. And, and in this, but particularly in this passage, I just love it. And can you pray for me? It's lovely. It's really nice. We must pray for Christian workers. It, it's good to see it in its setting. So the, the Apostle Paul was writing these letters, as he wrote all his letters, to teach and to encourage, to correct and, and to rebuke. A, a group of very new Christians. They were, they'd hardly been Christians for weeks, maybe a, maybe a month or so, in the city of Thessalonica, in, in what we call Greece. And he'd founded the church just a, a few weeks, a month or so earlier, on his second missionary journey. And we, we can read about that in Acts chapter 16 to 18 and so on. And it's a very exciting read. And it's very real and it's very graphic. And, but he had to leave, leave them suddenly. He would like to have stayed there longer but he had to leave them prematurely because he was being persecuted. He was being hounded. He was being thrown out of these places. So he had to move on. And they wanted him to move on to keep him safe. He moved on to Berea, where they were welcoming and, and, and good to be there. Then he moved on to Athens. And he spoke with those great philosophical learned men there. Didn't stay in Athens long. Then he moved on to Corinth, probably about four days in all, from Thessalonica. And he, he arrived in Corinth by ship. And he stayed there for quite a long time, maybe a year, a year and a half. And he was keen to know how the Christians were getting on, who he had spoken to and had been born again during this journey. How were the people in Thessalonica getting on? So he sends his, his colleague Timothy to find out. And Timothy comes back after a while and reports what was going on in Thessalonica. It was, it was an encouraging report. And and Paul's heart, it brought relief to him. I left early, but oh, good, they're doing all right in the Lord. And Paul wrote to them. One, to say, I'm really encouraged by what's going on. It's great you're going on with the Lord. One or two misunderstandings they got, so he wrote to correct them. One or two errors, one or two wrong practices. Paul wrote a letter to them to, 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 to correct them in that way. That's our first Thessalonians. And after that was delivered, 
they, they, the things were getting a bit better and somebody brought a report back and, and said, yeah, there's, there's still a one or three problems in Thessalonica. Okay. So Paul then writes Second Thessalonians. He writes to clarify a few things, especially to do with the Lord's return and some of their misunderstandings about Paul. That's where Thessalonians comes from. It comes from the heart of a man of God. And, and I'd like us to see that and understand that this evening. So this little passage, yes, it's from the Lord, and yes, it's from the Lord's word. But it was written by a man whose heart was taken up in Christ and in Christ's service. He was a godly, gracious, humble, strong man in Christ. And his heart goes out for these people. And it reflects God's heart for his people. Paul was just reflecting who God was and what Christ thought and, and wanted for his people. And, and, and this message comes powerfully to us tonight because God feels the same about us. We are precious to God, very precious to him. And so these words that written by Paul 2,000 years ago are still relevant to us this evening. So let's just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, make your word come alive this evening, we pray. Speak to us. We, like the Thessalonians, are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So may these words be by your spirit applied to our hearts. May they encourage us. May they rebuke us. May they remind us of all that you have done for us. Amen. Thankfully for the preacher, this little passage divides up very neatly into three Three points. First of all, Paul's plea, verses 1 and 2. Secondly, Paul's power, verses 3 and 4. And thirdly, Paul's prayer, verse 5. Now, isn't that neat and tidy? Paul's three things. Paul's plea, Paul's power, and Paul's prayer. So let's get quickly on with verse 1, and it's Paul's plea. In verse 1 here, it says, As, as for other matters, brothers and sisters... Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. Other versions have, rather than as for other matters, they say, and finally. So he's bringing his letter to a close. So Paul calls upon these new believers to help him in his ministry. What can they do that would assist him and help him and his fellow workers there in Corinth? Paul says, pray for us. Pray for us, brothers and sisters. Prayer is a weapon in gospel ministry. Paul has just reminded us that it's, not, it's a spiritual battle we're involved in. Prayer is not just something that Christians do. It's vital. It's a weapon in gospel ministry. And then we see there, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord, the gospel, and it's this gospel that brings life, God's life, God's love, God's hope and joy and forgiveness and more to those who hear it and respond to it, as the Thessalonians had done. Do we pray for our missionaries and ministers? Are we, are we helping them by our prayers? The, the tense here of this, when Paul says, brothers, pray for us, it is present continuous. Pray for us, keep on praying. Don't stop praying. Our missionaries and our ministers and our workers in the church need prayer. It's a struggle. It's a slog, as we'll learn at times. So Paul doesn't only just say, right, pray for his guy and leave it at that. He tells them what to pray for. So what we have here in, the, in this first little passage, Paul's plea, is a really good template for praying for our missionaries 
a really good pattern for us to follow in our prayers. Paul asks them to pray for three things. So, so we can know a kind of prayer, a kind of template for missionary prayer that one is pleasing to God and also is in line with his will because it's there for us. So the first thing that Paul asks them to pray for is that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly or that the message of the Lord may speed ahead or the message of the Lord may go forward unhindered. It's the message of the Lord. It's God's message that Paul is carrying, as it were, into these various regions. Paul is declaring God's message, God's message of salvation in Christ Jesus. Our ministers and our missionaries today are doing exactly that same thing. It's not their message. It's not their thoughts. It's God's message that they're carrying into the world. And it's a spiritual message that affects a spiritual result. People are born again into a spiritual dimension and a spiritual world, just as it was in Paul's days. And this new life brings brings life in its fullness. It's a great message to carry. It's the Lord's message. And Paul says, don't let, 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 it, let, it, let it free, let it go. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly. Now, in my study for this sermon, I found a really good little verse tucked away in Revelation. That Yes, it's the Lord's message. I'll just read it to you. Don't look it up. God is also at work in this message. It's not just the missionaries that are declaring this message. As I said, it's a spiritual dimension, a spiritual world. Listen to this in in, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Yes, the missionaries, Paul is, is declaring this message. So are the angels, or so is this angel, that it's a work of God, God's work. So Paul says, pray that it, the message of the Lord may ring out and nothing hinders it. So point number, point number one for our missionaries and for our ministers too, pray that the message of the Lord may ring out, may spread rapidly. Second thing, verse one there, and be honored. Just as it was with you, the message goes out unhindered, but it also needs to be honored, just as it was with you. What does that mean, to be honored? To be honored, what does it mean? It means that the message is is heard, is believed, and the message is acted upon. It's okay to preach the gospel, that's what we're called to do, but we need to pray that those who hear it, honor it, just as the Thessalonians had done. And in First Thessalonians, when Paul, Paul writes to them and says, oh, I was so encouraged to hear the report that Timothy brought back because the things that, that I hear that you're now doing are, is the gospel message being honored. They were acting upon it. They turned from their idols. They turned from their paganism to the living God and they were serving him and they were waiting for Jesus' return from heaven. Their lives were being transformed. Paul says to them that... Um, 
the Lord's message rang out from you, but also it's doing a work. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. And then in, in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, he said that, that what you're doing is you, you're living a new life. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable. And that's what they were doing. Their lives were being transformed. They were honoring the gospel of Christ. And Paul says, when you pray for us, pray that the message would, would spread rapidly and pray that the gospel would be honored. When we're praying for our missionaries, let's pray for that. That the gospel that they preach would be listened to and honored, acted upon. That people would believe and embrace it just as it was with you, Paul says to the Thessalonians. Do what it says, obey it. Because the gospel is not just about believing the Lord Jesus Christ, is it? It's about obeying him. The gospel incorporates all of that. It's living a life in a new way. It's living a new life. So Paul asked them to pray for the rapid spread of the gospel, for it to be honored by those who embrace it and live it. And what else should we be praying for these Christian ministers, these Christian missionaries? Paul says in verse 2 there, look at it. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has in faith. Third point, Paul has to, to pray for. Pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. Pray that we might be delivered, we might be rescued. For Paul, that was a very real thing. Wherever he went, he was forever being mobbed and attacked, and he needed to be rescued from these people. Paul had been and continued to be badly treated as he preached the message of the Lord. Trouble followed wherever they went. You need to just read the Acts of the Apostles to find that. It's one lot of trouble after another. Christian mission is not for the faint-hearted. Do I see James and Caroline and others there nodding their heads? Christian mission is not for the faint-hearted. One, it's a spiritual mission that involves satanic opposition, an opposition of wicked and evil people. That's their, these were opposing. They were wicked. They were evil. They did nasty things to them. They were out to undermine them. They were out to put them down. Christian mission is not for the faint-hearted. Maybe somebody here, some of the youngsters, thinking, I'd like to go into Christian mission. I'd like to be a, uh, be a preacher or a, a pastor or a vicar or a missionary. Hearing James and, and Caroline's story or Paul's story, yeah, I'd really like to do that. What does Paul think about it? What, what, what advice does Paul give us? Okay, Apostle Paul, what's it like to be a Christian minister? What does it feel like? What, what is it really like on the ground? Here is Paul's testimony, okay? Listen to this. You're thinking about going into Christian ministry of some sort. Here is Paul. I have worked much harder than any of you. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. 
I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I faced daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Is it easy being a Christian worker? No. Pray for us, brothers. Pray for us. Let that be a, a call to us to pray for our, our Christian workers. Not everyone has faith, says Paul in verse 2. Don't expect everyone to come to faith. When we're preaching the gospel, there will be opposition. Expect that in a way. But pray that the Lord's message may spread quickly. Pray that the message may be honored. What a joy it was for Paul, wasn't it? To see the message being honored. Oh, and Timothy came back. You can almost sense the, the, oh, the relief. I, I, I was taken away before I was ready, but they're growing in Christ. These little babies of mine, they're growing in Christ. Pray that the message would be honored. Pray that the message that our missionaries preach and speak would be honored by the believers. And pray that the Christian workers will be delivered from wicked and evil people. Point number one, let's move on from Paul's plea to our second point, Paul's power. We just heard, how did Paul put up with all of that? He wasn't exaggerating, that's exactly what his life was like. How did Paul put up with that? How does Paul keep going? And these early Christians were undergoing persecution. How did these early Christians keep going? What was it that kept them going against such opposition and persecution? And I think the answer is here in verse 3. Paul's power, verse 3, look at it together. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and he will, he will protect you from the evil one. So Paul's power is in the Lord, but the Lord is faithful. Paul assures them, the believers, and us what he knows to be true. He is speaking as a personal witness here. The Lord is faithful. The Lord will strengthen you. The Lord will protect you from evil, whether wicked or evil people, or from the evil one himself, Satan. Paul had experienced and known God's strength and protection, and he assures the believers there that God would protect and strengthen them too. I love Paul's testimony in, in 2 Timothy. Here in Thessalonians, Paul's like halfway through his, his life, his missionary life. He's a relatively young Christian man, halfway through, still plenty of bounce left in him. The end of Timothy, he's at the end of his life, 2 Timothy. And he testifies there, but the Lord stood at my side. He gave me strength and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. The Lord, the Lord was Paul's strength. How is it with you this evening? You guys, ladies sitting here, those folks at home, struggling, under attack, feeling got at, defeated, weak, Vulnerable, Paul's power is in the Lord. The Lord's help, the Lord's strength, the Lord's protection. Call upon me in the day of trouble, says the Lord, and I will deliver you. Paul had confidence too in the Lord that these believers would grow and mature. 
He says there, we are, we have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. That's amazing, isn't it? People were a let down for Paul. It wasn't as though he preached the gospel to these believers and then he went away and they just suddenly became the best Christians you'd ever seen. That's why he wrote the letters. To, to put them right, to, to get them on the right track again. And, and people can be a letdown, can't they? People can be a real letdown. Do you know what? Christian people can be a real letdown too. Paul's Christian babies were far from easy to bring to maturity. These people where he's now in Corinth were a bit of a struggle. For Paul, we only need to read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians to find that out. Christian babies are far from easy to bring to maturity. God's children seldom are. They're a bit reluctant to grow up. They're a bit reluctant to, to, to mature in Christ. Don't you feel for Moses when you read the stories in the Old Testament? Moses is trying to lead them out of the, 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 the difficulties of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. Were they keen? Were they, did they do everything that Moses said? No, they were stubborn. They were rebellious. And the Old and the New Testament shows a constant repetition of failure on behalf of God's people. We sang, didn't we? God is merciful and gracious. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Paul kept on going with his believers because he knew that God would mature them. They were God's work. God had done the work in them. That lovely verse in Philippians, Philippi, quite a close neighbor of Thessalonica there, Paul says to them, writing to them, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Until Jesus comes again, God will carry on his work. Maybe some of you are thinking, oh, do you know what? I've just grounded. I'm just getting nowhere. I'm struggling to mature in Christ, to progress God is at work. Paul was confident in the lives of these people that God would continue that work. And I think maybe as Christian missionaries, ministers, whatever, put your confidence in God that he will continue that work that is begun in his people. Paul's power, Paul's strength and confidence was in the Lord. Where is yours this evening? Is it in yourself? That's, that's the modern life, isn't it? I can, I can do it. I've got the strength. I dig deep inside of myself. You can't. It's absolutely impossible. Our strength is in the Lord. That's where we've got to draw the strength from. It's your strength placed in others. They'll let you down. Don't put it there. Put your strength, put your confidence in the Lord, in his help, in his power, in his strong and almighty power and love to bring us to, to where he wants us to be. Final point, Paul's prayer. And this to me is the best bit. I just, I loved reading this verse. It just, it shone of God's love. Paul's prayer in verse 5. Paul says, he turns to them, he said, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and into Christ's perseverance. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. There is a, a vast treasure in these verses. I can only touch on it, but I pray that, that God will speak to you something like he spoke to me in looking at these verses. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. In verses 1 and 2, we, we had a template, didn't we, 
of the prayer that we can pray for missionaries or for ministers, for Christian workers. Here in verse 5, we have a template of a prayer that we can pray for ourselves and we can pray for one another. May the Lord direct me into God's love and Christ's perseverance. May the Lord direct you into God's love and Christ's perseverance. What, what, a, what a great prayer to pray. When we became Christians, we, we gave our hearts, didn't we, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't use that phrase so much, do we? we giving your hearts to Jesus. It's, it's not a biblical phrase, but it's a good one because that's what we do. We, we surrender our very selves to him. We used to sing in full and glad surrender. I give myself to thee, thine utterly and only and ever more to be. Paul is praying there that the Lord would direct your hearts into God's love and into Christ's perseverance. Our hearts are best in God's love. Where, where is your heart tonight? Have you given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it in God's love? Is it safe there? God the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our hearts when we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. God Almighty abides in our hearts. Our hearts are, are the epicenter of our being. It's where life comes from. Our life comes from, from our hearts. It's the very center of us. And we become Christians and we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ to direct, to guide. And, and like these early believers, we so often are quick to take back, aren't we, the reins of our hearts? We, we have a, a natural tendency to want to direct our own hearts. Thank you very much. When the Lord does start to direct them, he kind of takes them into ways that we're not quite sure we want to go there. Changes begin to happen. And so Paul prays this lovely prayer that the Lord may direct your hearts. Direct means it's lovely to clear the way, to kind of bring something that's bent back into the right course. May the Lord direct your hearts. May the Lord clear out the clutter so that your hearts are going in the right direction. Where to? into the love of God. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and into Christ's perseverance. What is God's love? What, what, we know about God's love, but what really is God's love? Is it, is it to be experienced? Is it to be known as Christians? So we're going to look at these two things. One, God's love. Secondly, just quickly, Christ's perseverance. This is where God wants our hearts to, to, to be directed into. God's love can be our love for God in that the, the way we express our love for God as Christians or also God's love for us. It can be interpreted both ways. And probably the best thing is to interpret it both ways. Our love for God and God's love for us. We are to love God with all of our hearts and minds and might. That's what we're commanded to do. We are to love God with all of our hearts and all of our beings. That's the sum and substance of the commandments, isn't it? To love God, to enjoy him, to serve him. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And then, that's right, we know that to be true. That's a great prayer. Let's pray that we would love God with all of our hearts. But may we also know in an increasing measure God's love for us. We are to know in increasing measure the love of God poured into our hearts by his spirit. My all-time favorite hymn is this, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. 
vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, love of every love the best. Tis an ocean vast of blessing, tis a haven sweet of rest. That love is to be known. May the Lord direct your hearts into that love. It's the sweetest place to be. That's where God wants us to be, enjoying, experiencing his love. Pray that for yourselves. Pray that for each other. May the Lord direct our hearts into his love. And what about Christ's perseverance, verse 5? It means to endure patiently. We, we struggle to endure. It's waiting for Christ, waiting for Christ to come from heaven. But life's a struggle. The Christian life is a real struggle. The Christian ministry is a real struggle. And there is Christ's perseverance. Again, it can, it can mean a perseverance like Christ's because he persevered. But it can also mean a, a perseverance that is from Christ, a supernatural perseverance, a supernatural t- ability to endure things that are almost humanly impossible to endure. You, you read Paul's list there of things that he endured. You think, that's, a, that's an impossibility. He could never have endured those things. With God's help, with Christ's perseverance and endurance, we can endure things that are beyond our ability to endure. And that's what we need to pray. Paul says, may the, may the Lord direct your hearts into Christ's endurance, that you can endure things beyond your ability. God will put us through times of immense difficulty. So may the Lord direct your hearts into those things. Bring it to a close. Paul's plea, pray for us. Paul's power, rest in the mighty power of God. Paul's prayer, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Amen.